Another gold mine in the works for southwestern Newfoundland as sky-high commodity prices fuel a global gold rush that hits the province big time. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Thank you for supporting Mi'kmaq Matters through Patreon or email funds transfer. Well, I'll you. A little later in the program, we'll be telling you how to join us for a free online screening of the documentary film The Shadow of Gold about the impact of gold mining on people and the planet. We'll be speaking with the filmmaker. But first, an update on gold mining and so-called Newfoundland. We've been telling you about the mega mine proposed for Valentine Lake that threatens caribou, salmon, and the waters of the mighty Exploits River. Now, there's another mine in the works for the Capebury area, a little farther south and west of Valentine Lake. But there's been more chat about the project in the business media in Australia, where the developers are trying to raise money. Here's what viewers down there heard recently. Yeah, look, um, the historical uh, assets have been based in Western Australia. However, the main main game for Matador these days is the Cape Ray uh, Gold Project uh, in Newfoundland in Canada. Um, and that, that really is the focus of our efforts uh, going forwards. Uh, that, that asset was vended into Matador uh, at the start of July and uh, along with a $5 million capital raising here in Australia. And as, as I said earlier, that will form the base, the form of our focus in the coming, uh, coming years. That was Paul Criddle, Managing Director of Matador Mining Limited, speaking of business TV in Australia. Matador is ramping up exploration on what is now known as the Cape Ray Shear, located about 25 kilometers northeast of Port Basque and about 50 kilometers from the Valentine Lake Megamine. We'll try to get you more info on Matador's plans for a future episode. Newfoundland is at the epicenter of a global gold rush, fueled by historic high prices for the commodity and a financially desperate provincial government that has made Newfoundland what a mining exec has described to Megamine Matters as one of the most permissive jurisdictions in the world for gold companies. The surging price of gold makes it economical to do what often isn't. According to one gold company's estimate, you need to mine anywhere from 2 tons to 91 tons of rock to produce just one ounce of gold. That means making massive holes in the earth, applying vast amounts of cyanide to treat raw ore to extract the gold, and storing all that toxic residue in tailings ponds. Often, things go wrong, as they did six years ago at the Mount Polly mine in BC, when a dam collapsed and mine waste spilled, creating what has been called the largest environmental disaster in Canadian history. Our guest this week is filmmaker Robert Lang, whose documentary, The Shadow of Gold, looks at gold as commodity, environmental challenge, and human rights issue. We'll tell you later in the program how you can watch The Shadow of Gould and join Robert Lang, 
Mi'kmaq Matters, and other correspondents for a conversation after the screening. Here's my interview with Robert Lang. You've made a lot of movies over your career, and then this one came along. So uh, how, did it, how did it happen? Sure. Well, um, um, what our, my company, Kensington Communications, has over the past 10, even more, 12 years, been uh, making a lot of um, documentaries. But uh, in particular, we've been uh, doing these documentaries that look at um, different commodities, global commodities, and, uh, and their, their role in, uh, in the world. Um, and we started with Diamonds, a film called uh, Diamond Road, which was a three-part series for TV, but also was a feature film documentary. And uh, then we made a film on the opium trade and uh, and uh, the uh, failure of the war on drugs through the opium trade. And most recently, we did The Shadow of Gold. Uh, we like these. We like these. They're big, ambitious international productions that uh, that don't just look at it as a journalistic um, uh, a journalistic uh, investigation, but we try to understand the impact of these global commodities on the individuals who at different points on the pipeline. So we'll look at. Um, People who are perhaps uh, at the very at the very root of the uh, of the commodity where they're where they're harvested in the case of opium or mined in the case of gold or diamonds, uh, right up to the people who make a lot of money from those commodities. So the uh, mining companies in the case of gold or or the uh, or the uh, dealers in uh, in opium and so on. So we try to understand what the commodity means for those for those different people uh, at every point on the pipeline. Right. Uh, after doing the first two productions, uh, we um, actually I read a book and um, uh, about gold, and I got fascinated with the subject. Because it, uh, it 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 suited this kind of treatment where you could just you could just put uh, the, you could link things that maybe you don't think about otherwise you could link uh, the what's going on in one part of the world with uh, with uh, that going on in, in in a whole other part of the world so we're we're inextricably linked to each other even though we sometimes don't know it we know what's going on in our backyards more than we do what's going on on the other side of the world but when you make these pictures that that bring together those those different realities uh, it can be quite uh, a rich portrait and and I, and I uh, and useful as well to 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 see that we're not alone in our um, preoccupations and concerns. So in in gold, that's what we what we found that uh, the, the what was going on with the miners in Peru, you know, is not that dissimilar to to the concerns that we might have in other parts of the world, environmentally and in terms of human rights and so on. So uh, yeah, that's how it uh, came about. Now, as we're as we're talking now, gold is uh, 
sort of verging on as its historic high price, uh, two thousand uh, dollars an ounce. Uh, just That's right. And yeah. um, one of the things that you pointed out in the in the film is that it's the the price, uh, the value of these record high gold prices that uh, are linked to the environmental devastation. Because as you as you say in your movie, one of the um, poignant facts is that in order to get a half a gram of gold, you need to process a ton of raw ore. Uh, so that's, that's right. why we get the we're getting the earth uh, uh, dug up uh, for for gold. Yes, and increasingly, yes, that's what. And increasingly, what you find is that the higher the price of gold, of course, the more uh, economical economic it is for those gold mining companies to spend a billion dollars, billions of dollars, sometimes to to dig deeper and deeper um, to 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 get the gold uh, that they uh, that they covet. So and that's where it does connect to the environmental uh, concerns because the deeper you you dig and the more ore you pull out of the ground, the more devastation you create. And um, that's what's going on uh, has been going on for some time. But of course, the fear is right now with the price of gold at historic highs. That will just uh, will just increase, and there'll be more and more demand, and more and more mining companies going uh, deeper and deeper to get their gold. The other interesting thing about the about the movie is that it shows so well that gold is, uh, despite its high value, is very is in a way an emotional uh, product. It doesn't, um, you know. Uh, Something that does to go into practical things, I guess, like making things, but it's mostly jewelry for those gold bars that uh, end up in the vault that are the uh, stability fund when the world is, uh, as it is right now, in uh, sort of a precarious situation. So um, it's uh, it's environmentally destructive and, and uh, causes all this uh, these social problems, but for the sake of not very much tangible it's it's a very unusual commodity in that respect that's right absolutely you know gold often is mined uh, in, in conjunction certainly in canada with copper and copper copper has a purpose <laughs> you know, copper is, is used a lot in many different things and yes gold is used you know i'm i'm speaking to you on a on an iphone and i know there's gold in this iphone you know, about about one dollar worth of gold, not much, but it, but when you the thing about gold is you can stretch it out into a very thin, thin, thin wire. That's one of the features of gold that's quite interesting. But as you say, only ten percent of uh, it's estimated that only ten percent of all gold is used in functional, uh, productive, useful items. Ninety percent is is uh is used for um, uh, for a gold reserves of nations and uh, or um, uh, jewelry around the world and of course with uh, at least uh, until recently the growing middle class of some parts of the world there was a bigger and bigger demand for gold jewelry as a as a display of one's Having arrived, um, so uh, 50, 60 percent in jewelry, and uh, they say 20 to 30 percent in, in gold reserves, and um, 
and putting them away. So it's very strange. You kind of take this commodity out of the ground and then you put it back in the ground in vaults under, under, uh, in uh, gold reserve uh, banks. Uh, it's, it's a bizarre commodity that really is very unlike most others that, uh, that we do, uh, that we do mine. So it is, it is a strange thing. It's a very, and it's a, and it is, as you say, emotional in a way what I think you mean, I believe you're, you're saying emotional in a sense that we were attracted to it. There's something about gold, right? That we, that, that makes us covet it. We think it's somehow, uh, it has value where other things don't have value where, you know, uh, you know, a, a $10 bill isn't nearly as tangible and isn't nearly as, you know, it, we can't trust it as much as somehow gold we can trust. It's going to hold its value. And as uh, as one of the people in the films say, uh, says, you know, that it's uh, it's a real it's a um, it's something that um, we, we just believe it's it's we believe in it. We somehow believe it has inherent value. One the story you tell in the movie will be of interest to um, people in Canada who are fighting various gold mine developments, which is the episode uh, near uh, Yellowstone National Park, where um, there was uh, some move to uh, yes. to start uh, mining. Um, but then people, local people, um, uh, fought back and... Yeah. Uh, made the point that, yes, gold has a lot of value, but it's very much boom and bust. Uh, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of money for a while, but, you know, the, either the supply of gold runs out or the price of gold goes down, and then we're left with the uh, with the environmental destruction and, and the uh, destruction of something that has longer value, which is the environment. Of course, in the towns around Yellowstone, their economy was built on um, on an appreciation of nature and uh, that's uh, I guess that was kind of a like a happy part of the story that uh, they were successful in stopping that development that's right that's right yeah well that was it was we we chose that story we didn't know how it was but when we started uh, yeah it was a, a, a proposed mine just outside of um, uh, Yellowstone National Park which of course is the first national park in I think in, even is in the world, but it's certainly in the U.S. And it's also, uh, you know, it's got, you know, great um, pedigree in terms of national parks. It's even though uh, it's in Montana and, uh, well, it's in Wyoming and Montana, um, everybody knows about Yellowstone. It's an iconic park. So um, it was an interesting story that we followed for over a year, a year and a half. We didn't know how it was going to turn out, but we had a, a very interesting group of people from all different, from across the spectrum. So there were people who were quite conservative and had voted for Trump. We have we had people who were environmentalists and were very concerned about what the impact would be on their uh, on their uh, rivers and uh, and and fishing and so on, what they, what would happen with their tourism? We had small business owners who were not politically engaged generally in, on in, on anything and got engaged. So it was quite a an interesting uh, collective 
action by uh, people of many different stripes and many different uh, backgrounds uh, who fought this, even what they were fighting here, which was interesting, they were fighting even the uh, the ability of a junior miner to come in and drill to find out whether there was even gold in them thar hills, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is all he was doing. He wasn't even proposing a full mine, and they they fought that because they know it's a slippery slope. Once you know you establish there is gold, all you do is you wait until the you know all the you know all the ducks are in a row and someone is going to let you mine. And they were fighting him for even. Uh, even considering a mine, you know, within 20 kilometers of the, the border of the park, it wasn't even in the park. So, because uh, they realized that if they did uh, allow it, and if they, if he went ahead, and um, or if they, if they, um, you know, sold the sold the rights to uh, a bit, one of the big mining companies. The chances of um, of a, a disaster or of uh, acid mine drainage or um, or or a disaster like what happened in Mount Pauly would be would be disastrous both for the economy of the area and for the environment uh, surrounding and into the park because a lot of the water flow went into Yellowstone. So they. They fought it, uh, and they went right to Washington D.C. to to fight it. And even during the time of Trump, they held sway because they had they had conservatives, they had Republicans and uh, Democrats and environmentalists, and uh, and uh, and they all they all made a very strong case for it. So it can be done. There are places that are a little bit out of a little more out of sight, out of mind. For a lot of people, like uh, what's happening in Bristol Bay in in Alaska, that are also fighting, but those one those are harder fights, and um, I I'd argue probably in some parts of Newfoundland too, there, there, there's going to it's a harder fight because you don't have a a national iconic park that you're protecting and that people can see, uh, you know, uh, they can see very clearly what the impact of of gold mining might be on that. Uh, but it it is it is uh, inspiring. I think that 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 once people realize the implications of um, uh, of, uh, of allowing a gold mine, uh, you know, a, a big gold mine in your um, in in, uh, in a particular region, it can be disastrous. Mm. Now you've been uh, doing these public uh, screens, public. Uh, uh, really public in terms of people actually being there and now um, uh, more lately uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of online screenings with uh, q and a and what what has been um, what have people been asking uh, have they been sort of um, of a, all of a certain point of view or have you had uh, more pro mining people asking you challenging you on um, the standard arguments that uh, you know we all use metal every day, and uh, oh, yeah. use, if we didn't have metal, we wouldn't have a society. <laughs> That's right. So what? That's what, right. What has come up after after you? Yeah, it? no, it's it's been fascinating. I, I just you know I, I as a filmmaker uh, who makes a lot of documentaries for TV and whatnot, um, 
I I don't get uh, generally a lot of feedback except for you know maybe reviews or some awards or things like that and and a few people who say oh I saw your you know production, but I love these. Um, these virtual well what we're doing now is virtual screenings but we did them in person uh, until until early this year uh, and i love them because people engage after the screening and uh, they engage with the subject matter and uh, we have panelists who are informed panelists of they can be of any uh, you know sometimes they have been uh, we had some mining people in vancouver uh, who were on the panel? We had uh, we had people in the audience who were pro mining, uh, who would talk about you know the importance of jobs, 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 and that you know things aren't like they used to be, and there are many more controls and environmental you know uh, considerations uh, in in, the, in new mines. They would make arguments like that, but um, it's fascinating to hear the diversity of uh, perspectives. And and seeing how a film raises some of those questions and allows people to bat around, um, bat around the pros and cons and uh, and the uh, the intricacies of making decisions about whether mines should happen or not and under what circumstances uh, they should happen. Filmmaker Robert Lang. You can join Robert Lang, Mi'kmaq Matters, and other correspondents from Atlantic Canada for a screening of The Shadow of Gould and an after-conversation. September the 2nd at 8 p.m. Atlantic, 8.30 Newfoundland. Info on free registration on the Mi'kmaq Matters Facebook page. If you register, you'll get a link with 36 hours advance access to The Shadow of Gould. Hope you can join us. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nimaltus.